The Columbus Crew and FC Dallas are undefeated, while the Portland Timbers and New York Red Bulls are looking for their first win. Welcome to the 2014 Major League Soccer season. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is the big guy, Ivis Galarsep. What's up, buddy? Nothing much, Garrett. It's uh, it's definitely a crazy, uh, unexpected unique start to this 2014 MLS season and uh, things aren't going quite as some people would have expected and uh, you have some teams off the great starts and some teams that are are scratching their heads right now at the at the slow starts that they're off to yeah it's it's crazy to see that some of these teams but you know some of these teams we said it could be expected though but I mean look obviously it's a, it's a long season and there's playoffs, which is you know beneficial to some of these teams. You know we've seen teams like Houston sneak in at the very end of the season, the past couple of years, and find ways to make some noise. So the season's still young. We only wrapped up week three, but I mean, look, it's it's interesting to see Columbus and FC Dallas on the top of the tables in their uh, in their divisions. Right. I mean, I think you know, yeah, you're talking about two teams with new coaches, and and you were curious to see how they were going to respond to to the new leadership and. I think FC Dallas, uh, most people could have seen that as being a good fit. Oscar Pereja, you know, showed well as a coach in Colorado, and he's fit right in there. He's familiar with these players from his time at FC Dallas. Uh, he's familiar with quite a uh, quite a number of players that are already there, and he's obviously brought in some of his own. And they're off to a flying start. They're in first place in the Western Conference again. It's only mm-hmm. a few weeks into the season, three weeks into the season, but you like to see that real smooth transition into into Oscar Pereja's tenure. Columbus, I got to say, early signs. And again, it's only two games, but early signs are that Greg Berhalter is having a really positive effect on the group there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has them playing really organized and, and real quality soccer through two games. Now, obviously, the first opponent, uh, DC United, was a bit of a pushover. DC just did not look good at all, mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't look good this week either. Uh, but Philadelphia gave them a much tougher challenge and I think we got a much better glimpse of just how seriously we should take Columbus. And early signs are that that looks like a legit team. Yeah, you're definitely right. Well, we'll talk about MLS Week 3 here in a second. Uh, as always, I have lots to talk about since this is the uh, the show. We recap the weekend. We're going to talk a little USL Pro later on in the show. They kicked off uh, their season this past weekend. Uh, we're going to talk a little European soccer, Americans abroad, Clinton's comments uh, about Clint Dempsey's suspension. So we'll get all into that in, in just in just a little later on. But we got to talk week three. Kicking it off, Ivis, Real Salt Lake, LA Galaxy. They played to a 1-1 draw. I think both these teams are sick and tired of playing against each other. But if you're Real Salt Lake, Ivis, you, you start off the season, you look at the schedule, you got LA Galaxy twice, two times in three weeks. If you looked at RSL and said, hey, you're going to take four points in these games from the LA Galaxy, I think you have to be pretty happy with that if you know if you're a Claret and Cobalt fan you know Real Salt Lake player that you know you played it we also like though you got to be disappointed though giving up that one goal lead but some positives for both sides but but I think both these teams are just I think they're done playing each other I think they're looking forward to playing someone new uh well yeah I mean I'd say if you're looking at it four points from two games against LA you got to feel pretty good about that having said that RSL had a real chance there to 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 put the dagger in early on in that game. Jao Plata was giving the Galaxy all sorts of trouble. They could have very easily jumped out to a nice-sized lead in that game, and uh, I think they missed that opportunity. And uh, when you when you look at it, you're at home. You, you want to get that W. Having said that, if you looked at that first game, the one in L.A., I mean, the Galaxy had to feel pretty uh, unlucky there because of all the chances that they had. So things balance out, and at the end of the day, if you're Real Salt Lake, you have to be happy with four points. 
the Jeff Kassar era is off to a pretty decent start. Mm. Uh, you've had, you've given up a couple of leads, which you're not too crazy about, but you know I think you know I think they're headed in a good direction considering some of the injuries. I mean they got Javier Morales back; he looked good. Uh, they got Chris Schuler back, and aside from the goal, the Robbie Keane goal, where he he looked really bad, he just, on, he just abused him right there. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, Robbie Keane, you can you know, are you can argue best player in the league, so it's nothing to be too ashamed of if he takes you to school. Uh, but Arsenal's getting the pieces together, and and I think they're I think they're gonna have a really good year. I know some people had some questions about Kassar's being the, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of transition would it be from Jason Christ to Jeff Kassar? And I think what people are seeing now is that there's not that dramatic a change when you want to talk about the style of this team, the look of this team. It's really just the same machine, just a different guy on the sideline. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, look, uh, Jeff Kassar's been there for for a couple years. He he knows the system. I mean, Arsenal not that much turnover. Uh, you know what you said about Chris Schuler. I mean, a little poor turnover by Chris Winger in LA's half, which kind of you know left uh, Chris Schuler out to dry on Robbie Keane's goal. Uh, but but the one thing that that kind of really continues to impress me about Real Salt Lake is the play of Jao Plata. I mean, Ivis the Arsenal got him last year, kind of under the radar. But I mean, look, he, he's still a young player. He's not that old. He's he's 22 years old. I mean, he just continues to improve in every single game. And I mean, he's a real threat against any team. And I mean, he's he's. He's an exciting player to watch, and Real Salt Lake just has to be very thankful that Toronto FC was clearly not thinking last year when they get when they got rid of him. Well, I you know not not to pat myself on the back there, and I don't and I don't think I was alone in this. But when they made that trade, you really got the sense that Toronto FC was just kind of giving away a, a commodity. And and I said it at the time, I thought it was a great pickup by by Real Salt Lake. And yeah, obviously you had some uh, cynical TFC fans who just weren't happy with what he, what Plata did uh, after his first year, uh, you know, wh- whether or not he was, he was someone who could really make a difference, but we've said it over and over Garth Lagaway. He, he just finds these gems. He's got a great mm-hmm. eye for talent and, and, and Plata that trade is looking like one of the best trades of that year. When you think about what he gave them last, last year and what he's given them this year. And, you know, if he doesn't get injured in that game, I got to say, I really think RSL rolls in that one because the Galaxies just didn't have an answer for him. Uh, And it's unfortunate that he got injured in that game, but I think he's due for a big year. Heading over to the Eastern Conference, uh, Columbus, as you said, Ivis, off to a great start. They defeated the Philadelphia Union 2-1. This is a little bit of an interesting one. Um, you know, Columbus did look good in this game, but I, I got to say, man, Philadelphia, they wasted a lot of opportunities and really shot themselves in the foot in this one. I, I thought Columbus really didn't dominate Philadelphia, but Columbus took advantage of some opportunities and defeated Philadelphia this past weekend. Uh, I think it was uh, the best way to kind of look at this game is it was somewhat similar to the Portland Philly game where you, you had, you know, Columbus had more of the ball. They had the edge in possession. Uh, but Philly, you could say when they had the ball, they looked a little more dangerous with it. And, and unfortunately for them, uh, Bernardo Anor came up with two quality mm-hmm. goals, and that was the difference. If you, I know you, people always laugh when you say, well, if you take the goals out. But look, you take the goals out, Philly looked like, you know, toe-to-toe, they were, they, they were equal to them, if not slightly better. But the goals count, and the goals are what matters. And Bernardo Anor with two quality finishes. And you got to look at the crew and say, this team – looks pretty solid, especially some of the pieces that are coming along to help fill the void when you talk about coming into the year, Eddie Gavin uh, retiring, and Bernardo Honor has, has stepped in well there. 
Will Trapp has built on the way he, you know, on the solid ending to last season. He's looking really good. I had my questions about Will Trapp coming into the year, but, you know, in, in this game, seeing him in this game against this co- level of competition, uh, the midfield that the Union have, we've already established quality midfield. Will Trapp looked outstanding. So I tell you what, the hype, the building hype about Will Trapp starting to get there. He's starting to impress people. And uh, you can count me as one of these uh, people who is now kind of seeing it more and more. And uh, as the weeks go along, you're going to want to see how he continues to develop in Greg Berhalter's system. Yeah, I thought he had a fabulous game this, in the, against the Philadelphia Union. I, I will say that that Bernardo North's first goal was was Sebastian Latou. Man, you can't be sleeping on a corner kick. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't listen to this show. But, I mean, that that was untouched streak into the box. The second goal was unfreaking believable. Uh, from him, but I gotta say, Ivis, one thing though, my boy Leo Fernandez scored. I called it last <laughs> week. Gotta start listening to me, Ivis. You uh, need to start listening to my wisdom. Well, my hey, last name is listen. in cleverly for. I mean, it's cleverly for a reason. Come okay, on, okay. Listen, I'll say what. I'm not. I never said the guy can't play at all, but he's not. <laughs> he's not one of the top two, three names you should mention. Uh, when you're talking about the union now, hey, he he did it on this day. Maybe he heard the show, and maybe he he was inspired by the fact that you defended him so much, and maybe he was maybe he was motivated by the fact that I kind of wrote him off. Uh, no, but you know what? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Fred, sure that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. He, I look, I, I, I I've uh, I've hung out with him before. I met him before. I, I can guarantee he does not listen to the show. Uh, but look, hey, he, he's he's contributed quite a bit for them in these two in two weeks, and mm-hmm. showing pretty well. Adding to the depth that they have in the midfield, and and again that midfield looks sharp again. Vincent Maidana, uh, and I'm sorry, Vincent Nogueira is looking like like a quality quality pickup. Maidana is obviously the designated player, but Nogueira is really just stepped in and, mm-hmm. and looks like such a such a quality player for them. So at, once they get the finishing boots on, once the forwards. Uh, you know, find the net with some 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 better sharpness. I think this union team is going to really t- be tough to deal with. I think you're right. I mean, the Philadelphia Union. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how how John Hackworth uh, finds a spot to get Leo Fernandez on the on the field because I mean, he comes in the second half, Ivis, and he's I mean, just smart player, just knows how to attack space, knows how to find the hole, and that's what really helped the union out. The the one thing that I kind of found funny in this game and I, fans are so you know hot and cold on certain players was Jack McInerney Ivis I mean missed a couple opportunities in this game the consistency run there is kind of an issue but I mean what's kind of going on with him is it, is it still young because personally look I think that for a guy like him you know he scored over 20 goals he's 21 years old I think he's off to a great career start but it's you see fans man just jumping on him all the time I mean when can people get off this guy I don't know. It is what it is. You know, you miss some chances. People are going to jump on you. I mean, it doesn't matter what level you are. I mean, Kareem Kareem Benzema scores a couple of goals against Barcelona, and he's getting crushed for the chances that he didn't take. He didn't. He didn't finish against Barcelona. So it, it comes on all levels. McInerney does have to finish better. I mean, he needs to. That that they need him to become that that you know cold blooded sniper who just does not miss. And and I you know that's a lot to ask for a player his age. Uh, but I think he's been around for so long. He's been a starter. Now this is going to be going into his third year as a starter. Uh, the the whole he's young thing doesn't really fly anymore, right? I mean, it's one thing when you're in your first year as a starter, you're a rookie going, and then even into your second year, you kind of can ride that. Once you get into year three as a starter, it, that that stuff is no longer you can't use it as an excuse anymore. You're not a young quote unquote young player anymore. Now you're a regular starter, and you need to prove that you, you should be a, a regular starter. I think McInerney will be fine. 
He'll continue to put himself in spots for chances, and eventually, I think his, I think the finishing will improve. Uh, the, I still like him. I, I will still peg him for a good goal total, but at the end of the year, but he's gonna have his growing pains. He's still young. Yeah, I, yeah, I, people just for me, they just need to take a chill pill. Philadelphia Union, I thought very unlucky in this game. I thought a couple of things would have went their way. They easily could have beat it. Uh, the Columbus Crew uh, still high on the Philadelphia Union. Uh, I was moving on. Uh, to a game on Sunday night. Seattle Sounders defeated Montreal Impact uh, 2-0, an own goal uh, from, hold on one second, from Troy Perkins and Obu Femi Martins. Ivis, we had a sighting. He scored a goal. So Seattle, big, uh, I don't know if you want to say it's a big victory, but a victory over Montreal Impact. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how big you want to call it. I mean, all you know, hey, results are results. Uh, obviously, the, the match was moved to Sunday because of the snow. Um Seattle playing without Clint Dempsey. You wanted to see how they'd respond to that, and and I think Lamar Nagel uh, took advantage of that opportunity and played really well. I thought he, you know, Obafemi Martin's got that goal, but Nagel, you could argue, you know, he he helped create the own goal, and he was he was kind of a driving force in that Seattle attack. So I think for me, Nagel really stood out. Uh, at Seattle, I don't know. There's still something there where they, I don't know. They they feel like it. It doesn't quite feel yet like they're on the same page as a group. And again, they have new faces uh at at various spots on that field so they they're still learning each other's ways and and how they fit as a group mm-hmm. um but and then I think that'll come with time and I think I think the fact that they're getting results can only help that kind of bond that the team is building as a group and and that locker room camaraderie and and I I got to tell you I was there for their their home opener and the vibe you got in that locker room was a really positive one like the, you know t- I, you know talking to Stephen Fry he 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 commented on it on how everyone gets along and and as you get these results you know you pocket these points uh, it's just going to build your confidence and eventually you know once the soccer comes once they actually start playing uh, better quality soccer as a group I mean the it, they're going to be tough to deal with so mm-hmm. you know we'll, we'll wait to see what happens once you know the results stop coming because they, they're not going to they're going to they're not going to win 30 games 25 games they're going to have their lulls as all teams in MLS do but you want to see if will will the soccer come before that happens will they start to really uh figure things out as a group and play as a unit because i don't think we've seen that quite yet from seattle i think we saw it maybe for stretches in these early games especially second half against toronto i thought we saw some quality there some cohesion, but it's still not quite there, and maybe we shouldn't be surprised considering the new faces. Well, the Seattle's going to have to figure it out quite quickly because they go home this upcoming weekend, Ivis, and take on the Eastern Conference-leading Columbus crew. I, I still think it was a little bit of a, a tall task for Seattle when you look at the schedule. I mean, you got Sporting Kansas City and then Toronto FC, back-to-back games too. So they get kind of a little breather here against Montreal. And I think, you know, you and I both agreed going into the season that we thought Montreal was going to take a major step back. So for Seattle, hey, you're on the road, first road game of the season. You get a clean sheet, 2-0 win. I mean, come on. You have to, you just, you have to walk away happy heading back home to Seattle for you know with that result. Yeah. Moving over, staying in the Western <laughs> Conference, uh, Colorado Rapids defeated... Portland Timbers two to zero. Uh, Portland Ivis. I mean, fans are already losing their mind. I mean, do, are, do they have? Are they just in in their assessment of of the season is, is already done? I mean, can, can we provide some words for them to take a chill pill? Uh, you know what? At the end of the day, the team's not playing well. Uh, they're not living up to expectations. There's, there's clearly some issues there that Caleb Porter needs to work out. But right, the whole panic mode thing. I mean, how much of a, how much panic mode is there really? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what, what what how do you how do you measure that? I mean, you measure that by tweets. Like, what do you? I I don't know if people, I don't know if folks in Portland are going too crazy. It's early. 
Uh, and just to remember, I, you know, I don't think the team started off crushing it last year either. When you want to talk about results, uh, when they had in the in twenty thirteen in Caleb Porter's first season, I mean, I remember they got a draw in that in the opener. They had a draw in Colorado. They lost to Montreal early on. So, you know, the results they're going to take some time. And and I'm a little surprised that they've had this much of an adjustment, uh, considering how many players they have back from last year. But I think now we're seeing. Uh, what the absence of Rodney Wallace means to this team, uh, what the lack of, of maybe a true target forward is having on this team. I thought Max Rudy could be the guy up top, and even though he's not a true target forward, I just thought his work as, as a forward up top would, would work in their four three three. Now you you know you're starting to wonder, is that really the case? So and look just just to give you guys just to give you an example, uh, Phil, Portland in their first three game in their first four games last year, Portland Timbers. Oh, one and three. So the Timbers didn't win a single game in their first four matches. And it's easy to forget that, right? Considering they ended up uh, with the t- best record in the Western Conference. So I think if you have you have to look at that and say to yourself, well, you know, if you remember that last year, if you remember the, the struggles ahead, heck, they lost to the Montreal Impact, the second game of the season, that great Hasun Kamara goal. They tied Seattle. They tied Colorado. So when you think about that start, and they were they were really outplayed against Seattle, even though they got the draw in that game. That first four games, I don't I don't recall people having much panic mode. Again, expectations weren't that high. Maybe there's some folks panicking already, but I would tell those people just remember last year, just remember the way the season started, and remember what happened as the season went on. The Timbers eventually figured things out. Is it a guarantee they're going to figure things out? Obviously, it's not a guarantee. But when you look at the talent on that on that squad, mm-hmm. I like Caleb Porter's chances of, of of riding the ship. No, you're exactly right, and I, I don't think Portland played horribly in this game. I mean, look, tough conditions. It was snowing up in Colorado. Uh, I mean, things things are going well for Portland up until Donovan Ricketts gets the red card. I mean, and, and one other thing from this, I mean, Dylan Powers ha- had a monster game in this one. Set up both goals, which were both PKs, and, I mean, that, and to lose on on two PKs. I mean, that that's. It's very tough. I mean, Vicente, Vicente Sanchez, I thought that was a very well-earned PK when, when he earned that. So just for Portland, I mean, kind of the wheels came off at the very end of the game for them after playing, you know, positive opening 70 minutes. Well, if there's an if there's a specific area of concern or specific concern you might want to have if you're Portland, it's the early form of Donovan Ricketts. I mean, last year he was obviously goalkeeper of the year, best 11, had a monster, monster year. Uh, but I got to say, early on in this season, you know, uh, look, the first game, he, he showed well. Uh, but the last couple games now, he's he's looked shaky. And obviously, the challenge is really bad on the red card. I can't really argue about that. Uh, but he has he's kind of been a little off the last few games, last couple games. So you have to kind of keep an eye on that and see where he's going to be. Is he going to get if he's going to shake that off and get back to his, his, his goalkeeper of the year form? Or is he kind of, you know, is he is he losing it a little bit? So that that's going to bear watching because he is so important to what they do. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, that, first off, the red card that he earned was he he could have got the ball. I, I don't know, I don't know what he was doing right there, and that really put Portland in the hole. So for Portland, it's sometimes things just don't go away, and the wheels came off at the very end of the game. Uh, Toronto. Uh, defeated FC Dallas Ivis on Saturday. Toronto, even though it was just a 1-0 victory, uh, Toronto all over D.C. D.C., I think he's only had three shots on frame all year long. Michael Bradley once again showed the quality that he has. Jermaine Defoe uh, gets a goal in Toronto. It's just another impressive result for them. Right. It, it pretty much went the way you thought. I mean, if anything, 
you could say uh, Toronto should have should have been able to generate a few more goals in this one, but just the way they controlled things, the way their midfield looked in a second at a, a second viewing, uh, even though again, it, early signs are this DC team is look looks really bad. I mean, they they just look like one of these teams that could once again be the one of the worst teams in the league, and that, and that's uh, so again, it's tough to kind of measure how, how do you how do you measure what you see from the opponents in this. But look, take nothing away. Uh, the Bradley Osorio combo once again looked really sharp in the middle, mm-hmm. and and again J- uh, Jermaine Defoe takes care of business uh, w- with the finish, and then the defense played well again. Daniel Henry with another solid game, mm-hmm. as we said the la- uh, last week. You know he's he's one of the keys to this team because you know you have all these other guys that you kind of expect to play well, but he's kind of one of those wild cards where is he going to blossom into a real standout? And if he does, TFC is going to be so tough to deal with because that that that's supposed to be kind of their weak spot. You know, central central defender uh, was the the back line was kind of supposed to be. If anything, if they had an Achilles heel, that's supposed to be it. And early signs are it, it, it just might not be. Yeah, I think he had uh, eleven uh, interceptions uh, defensively. Uh, I mean, just another pressure result for him. Also, Gilberto Ives was running wild in this one, and, and you already saw just kind of the early chemistry between he and Jermaine Defoe. You're right. I mean, Jermaine Defoe should have probably put in two, three more goals, but I mean, Jermaine Defoe was was everywhere in this game. Uh, I mean, you know, Toronto, you know, kind of had to get a little bit of lucky play. I mean. Poor clearance from Bobby Boswell, but I mean Toronto. Like I said, I, some people are going to go, "Oh, well, you know, it's only one 0 I mean, they didn't dominate DC. Watch the game. Toronto from the m- moment the game started, all over DC. DC had no chance in this game. Uh, DC's midfield. I mean, Ivis, what what can DC do? To, to is 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 it chemistry? Is is the season still young? I mean, DC's midfield just looks atrocious right now. Is there anything they can do to kind of right the ship? Uh it's tough to say. It really is, uh, and and the pressure's got to be on Ben Olsen. I mean, you, you added all these pieces uh, to the puzzle. You added all these players, and and, and it, it was his job to get it to all work, to put it all together, and make the pieces fit, and and produce something effective. And we haven't quite seen that yet, right? I mean, it's it's still early. It's two games, but they just haven't looked good yet. You you want to see a little bit bigger sample size before you go start start calling for people's heads and. And start passing blame, but as of right now, two games in, the reconst- the DC United reconstruction is off to a very slow start. Mm-hmm. And and I think if there's a, if you want to say there's something really unsettling, it's the fact that other teams think of all the other teams now, uh, Philly, uh, Toronto FC. Uh, how many? What other teams had had, had really sh- good shakeups of their roster? Seattle. I mean, these teams have all have all looked good. They've all hit the ground running with their new, with their sh- revamped rosters, mm-hmm. with new coaches, all that. And, and how, those teams are figuring it out early on. DC's slow out of the block. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's it could be another ugly season. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to wait a few more weeks. Let's give it at least a few more weeks to see if they start to come around because they did add so many new faces, so yeah. many new pieces to the puzzle, so many, so many MLS veterans that just aren't familiar with each other. So we'll see how that works out, but it's not looking good, I got to say. Well, DC, when when you look at their starting eleven in this game, I mean, it all, it is all the pieces that they brought in. This is the best starting eleven that DC. Could, I mean, in terms of just talent on paper, right? Seven of the starting eleven guys against Toronto Ivis were brought in. The only guys from last year: Luis Silva, Nick Dillion, Perry Kitchen, and Bill Hamid. Those are the only four Cop, guys. Cop, and also, oh, sorry. 
Kyle. Oh, you mean the oh, well, yeah? He didn't play. Also, one more thing. Bill, Bill Hamid had had a monster game. So that's the only reason why DC really stayed in this game was because of Bill Hamid. I mean, great game from Bill Hamid. Uh, moving over to the Western Conference, Ivis FC Dallas undefeated in three matches. Defeated Chivas USA over the weekend three to one. Mauro Diaz, another outstanding game for him, should be expected. We said it. We said it last week that he was going to struggle against Sporting Kansas City, a little bit better defensively, but against Chivas USA, really showed his quality in this one. And FC Dallas, Ivis off to another hot start. They're they're on a roll, right? And and I know folks in Dallas might 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 not be so quick to to get too happy, crazy about it because. Dallas started off really well last year as well. But, you know, you, you can take a moment and appreciate the fact that they really just outplayed Chivas USA uh, beginning to end. And it was a, it was a comprehensive performance. And, and as much as the, they were kind of you can you can definitely say they were lucky to get a point in Kansas City. They were lucky to escape a point with with the point there. They absolutely bossed this game. Chivas USA had shown some good signs the first couple of weeks. But they just didn't really have an answer for FC Dallas this time around. And, and Oscar Perea is doing a great job there. No, he's right. And the one thing that I, I was really pleased to see in this game was was Fabian Castillo. I mean, this is a guy, Ivis, that has a lot of quality. Kind of the one thing that's really hampered him last year, especially, was was his was his you know finishing ability in the final third. He was all over the field against Chivas USA this past weekend. He did score a goal. So you get Fabian Castillo going in this one. Blas Perez, another outstanding performance. I mean, look, Dallas has the talent. These guys just have to finish in the final third. And I'm really happy to see a guy like Fabian Castillo really kind of just show much better better quality in the final third because he has all the talent he has the pace he just needs to put that finishing ability out there I mean Ivis do you see FC Dallas continuing this or, or is it too early to uh to give a proper assessment on them it's a little early I mean as much as they were a team that I said would surprise people this year I mean I had them in the playoffs um you, you can't you can't get too crazy uh about the results just yet when you when you think about the the competition that they've played uh, they look. They played KC with KC dealing with the whole Champions League thing, uh, and they and they 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 were fortunate to get a point out of that. Uh, but these are confidence building results for them. And, and when you think about some of the, you know, hey, George John has been MIA. He's been out of action there. Uh, they're, they're adjusting to, to to the new pieces there. Obviously, Mauro Diaz. You know, he played last year toward the end, but now the key, the he's been handed the keys to the car. He's running the show, and he, and he's been great for them, and and you're, and you're seeing that. So, um, positive signs. Castillo, the thing with Castillo, man, he's so inconsistent, and I mean, he's done this before. So, like, he's had games before. He's had monster games before, player of the week type games. Mm-hmm. So, it, that's not a new thing. The the issue is consistency, not disappearing for you know games at a time. That's where he needs to f- figure things out. And a, we're gonna see what kind of influence. Oscar Pereja has, and that, and that, and if Pereja, you know, can reach Castillo in a way that maybe Shellis Heidman couldn't, couldn't, then maybe we will see Castillo finally mm. uh, find some consistency. And those are the kind of things that made the Pereja hire so big for FC Dallas because Pereja is a pretty well respected coach, and he's known above all as working well with younger players. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows how to talk to them, how to reach them, and and obviously. The Colombian connection as well. So, so I'm sure if you're if you're Fabian Castillo, you, the young Colombian player, you know maybe you, you didn't always see eye to eye with Shellis Hyman, and now you have Oscar Pereja, well respected guy who who knows how to work with young players. So if Castillo has a breakout year, it's going to be absolutely because of Oscar Pereja. Hey, well, two goals in three games, and I agree, I was consistency. But but so far, so far, I I. I so you know, it's it's looking maybe a little more consistent. I mean, look, it's three games. I know the sample size is short, 
but you but gotta, we'll see. We'll see. You got to see. You got to see them against some 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 higher level opponents. Now, I tell you what, the next matchup they play the Portland Timbers, and and even though Portland hasn't won a, uh, won a game yet, uh, you know they're going to go into that game absolutely on a mission to get three points. Mm-hmm. After that, you, FC Dallas gets Houston. They get C- and they get Seattle and they get Toronto FC. So things are gonna get tough in a hurry. So we'll find out plenty uh, about what FC Dallas is really about uh, in the month of April. I have some quickies on some other games. Chicago uh, and New York Red Bulls play to a one-one draw. Uh, not many chances between the two sides, but but I think overall, when when you kind of you know you, you take the sample size from this game and you kind of just look at see how the teams flow throughout, I, I think both teams who, who are looking for something, looking for a spark. Uh, showed much better quality uh, in, in this game. Also, uh, Dax McCarty and Jeff Laurentiis with the goals in this game. The old, I don't want to say the old guys, but kind of the workhorses for their team scoring in this one. Chicago Fire, they're missing Mike McGee the first couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Now they have him back. That's the big news for you. If you're a Chicago Fire fan, Mike McGee is back. Now you can kind of build and see how things are going to go there. Uh, there was all this kind of, there were the rumors that Mike McGee and Frank, and Frank Gallup had had a, a falling out. He shot those down on Twitter. He had the great picture of him with Frank Yallop to kind of put those rumors to bed. Now he's back in action. That's huge for Chicago. And I think one of the things that's interesting early on about Chicago, they're playing some of these young guys. They're playing Harrison Ship, mm-hmm. my, my rookie of the year uh, pick, uh, and Benji Hoya. Those guys look like they're probably going to end up being regular starters for that team. So uh, promising stuff from Chicago. The Red Bulls, you know, they, they were better, but... I don't know. I mean, as much as, you know, they had a 60-40 uh, edge in possession. Uh, that's all well and good. They had more, they had significant number of more, pa- they had significantly more passes, 447 and 297. Uh, that's all well and good. But you got to, if you're the Red Bulls, you got to start putting the goals in. You got Henri, you got Cahill. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, what's going on here? So it, it's different when you, when you look at some of these other teams where they have all these new faces. They're still trying to figure things out. What is the Red Bulls' excuse? You have most of your team back. Where is where is the the cohesion? Where is the 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 fluidity uh, for a team that won the supporter shield? And again, it goes back to what we've said going into the season that I just didn't think they did enough uh, to improve their team. And they they over they overachieved last year. There's no way other way to say it. They overachieved last year. And sometimes teams that get caught in that trap where they overachieve and they think everything is hunky dory, they don't do enough in the off season to improve. Boom. They they, uh, they 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 hit a wall the next year. BC United, same thing happened. 2012, they had the third best record in the league. Even though if you watched them, the soccer wasn't great. So guess what? They didn't address needs. They figured everything's fine. We'll be back next year. We'll kill it. Red Bull, similar thing. Oh, we got our group back. We got our core back. We you know everything's gonna be great again. No, it's not. Question, you know. So it's a you know. I know it's early. I know it's early, but. Red Bulls need to start showing something pretty quickly. I, I like hunky-dory and boom in the same sentence, Ivis. There you go. Uh, also, Luis Robles, two huge saves, really kept New York in this game. Like you said, Ives, Harrison Ship showed some really good quality in this game. He's looking good. He's yeah. legit. You know, and I, I was curious to see if Frank Gallup would, would get him in there, uh, give him a role. But you know what? If you're good enough, you're going to get on the field, and, and he's clearly shown that he's good enough. Uh, Sporting Kansas City defeated a uh, kind of a lethargic San Jose Earthquakes uh, 1-0. Uh, Dom Dwyer with the goal in this one, Ivis. Well, it's funny. Dom Dwyer with the PK. Yeah, you were curious to see how this game was going to go when you think about two teams that played tough midweek Champions League matches. Uh, were they going to have anything left? And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm going to reveal a little something here. Dom Dwyer, 
before this game sent me a message, a private message, and said he's going to crush it in this game. And he went and scored a goal. It was a PK goal. You got to say, hey, it's a PK goal. But, hey, like, got to like the confidence. He went in there, thought he would do well, and he scores a goal. I, I got to say, I think KC, if you're an attacking player on KC, you got to start getting a little frustrated about the lack of productivity, the lack of goals from the run of play. You want to see that. If you, you need to start seeing some more goals. And so, you know, Sapong, Dom Dwyer, uh, Sunisad, the, the, the Claudio Beeler, you got to start generating some goals uh, because you know what? It's it's not good enough to to look 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 for these one zeros, uh, you know, corner kicks to Aurelian Colin uh, to be your offense. You know, you need to start generating goals in the run of play, and Sporting Kansas City hasn't quite really clicked yet. Uh, when you look at it, San Jose obviously they got a ton of injuries. Uh, they retired from midweek. They, they, the fact that it was only 1-0 is, is a little surprising to me. But, again, it's early, and the, I think these Champions League teams are, are going to have to kind of lick their wounds. And maybe there's going to be a little bit of a, bit of a hangover from just the, those those early games. Yeah, maybe. Also, in the final game of the weekend, New England Revolution and uh, Vancouver Whitecaps take a bow. Congratulations. You've played to the first scoreless draw of the season uh, Ivis, New England, man, what, what is going on with them? I mean, they, they need to find a spark ASAP here. Well, I mean, if you want to look at – if you want to have a positive from the game, if you're New England, it's the fact that Jose Gonzalez is back. Apparently everyone's kissed and made up. No one's going to – no one denied the the rumors or the reports, including my initial report about Jay Heaps' ultimatum and Gonzalez deciding not to play. No one's refuted any of that stuff. But pretty much the word out of New England is the past is the past. Gonzalez is, is in now. He's ready to play. And that's big for them because they're not going to get far without Gonzalez at center back for them. So that's huge. But the big question, the offense, where is the offense? The offense just just hasn't just hasn't gotten it going yet. And, and you know, obviously, uh, you know, when you want to talk about injuries and that kind of thing, that it's stuff that you have to deal with. But. Uh, it, it just, if anything, you're kind of looking at, at the, what, what they've done early on and, and you kind of realize, you know, what Juan Agudelo meant to that team. And I think they miss him. They miss him a lot, you know, because he, he was an absolute key to their second half surge in 2013. And, and early, early on, Till Bunbury hasn't quite shown himself to be uh, that true replacement. So, you know what? I think New England's going to have some growing pains right now. So, uh, so, you know, everyone, they were one of those teams that people uh, liked to kind of build on 2013. And, mm-hmm. and right now they're struggling. They need, they need to, they're not clicking like they, they did last year. They're not having that fluidity in the attack. And I think, I think part of the big part of that is because they're missing Juan Agadello. I, I really, I mean, you and I were kind of saying, Hey, New England's going to build on top of this, that they're getting their core pieces back. This is, this is kind of surprising, but I mean, dude, it's, it's week three. I mean, come, come, come! Give me a call, July. I mean, a lot, a lot will change between now and July. A lot in August, you know. But right, we'll see. But again, you know, young teams, you know, sometimes it, it clicks and, and they build on it and they keep going upwards. And sometimes, you know, it's like they have their little hot streak, their hot moment, which they had last year, and maybe they don't recapture that. But I think there's still plenty of talent there. It's going to still come down to does Teal Bunbury or do does one of their forwards really step up? To, to give them that that target to kind of work with to 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 give that target for guys like uh, Rowe and Win and Fagundes to run off and 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 combine with like right now they're lacking that so I think that as well as for me still needing a true defensive midfielder 
Yeah, not to not to get on. It's look, it's not Andy Dorman's fault that they're not scoring goals. I, I thought he did pretty decently, even though for me he's not really a pure. He's not really a defensive midfielder. He's just kind of filling in the role because they don't have anyone else for that role. But uh, you know, I, I think if there's a position that New England needs to address, they need to go get themselves a true, true defensive midfielder to hold things down to give them some steel in the middle. I think that's lacking. Uh, well, our MLS Week 3 roundup and review of the previous weekend is 100% over. Ivis, we need to move on to something else. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann spoke about the uh, about Clint Dempsey's suspension uh, in the game against Toronto FC the previous weekend, Week 2. Clint Dempsey uh, touched, t- not touched, touched, uh, well, he gets, he gets a hit or a low blow. Mark Bloom b- below the below the belt, you know, in the family jewels, as, as you would say, Ivis. Uh, Dempsey got two-game suspension. Jurgen Klinsmann, not happy with that because he thought other players should have been looked at in this game due to lots of uh, fouls between the two sides. However, though, Klinsmann was still upset, though, with, with the two-game suspension for Dempsey. I mean, is he warranted in this, Ivis? What were your thoughts on his comments? Well, I think, I think the, the whole point of the comments, and here's the thing. These weren't the first comments that uh, Jurgen Klinsmann has made. Uh, he came out during the week, last week, and, and talked about the referees needing to protect uh, players like Clint Dempsey more because, you know, he's getting fouled left and right. There's no cards being issued. Uh, so it's almost looking like it's open season for a guy like Clint Dempsey. Uh, and as a national team coach, you can understand, you know, he wants to see his top players protected. And that that's there's nothing wrong with that. He's entitled to, to express his opinion on that. Now, on the second go round, now he, he drops second his second set of comments in less than a week. He, he, he speaks out after the suspension. And again, you understand why he's upset because, hey, Clint Dempsey is such a big key to the U.S. national team and any chance they have a success in Brazil. And all Klinsman wants is A, for him to stay healthy and B, for him to find a rhythm. And that lo and behold, he gets smacked with a two game suspension. And let me let me just be clear, folks. I don't think I don't know of anyone. That think that doesn't think Dempsey should have had some form of suspension. You can't slap people in the nuts and not get suspended. Like I'm sorry, you should get something. <laughs> you can't. So, Klinsman thought it was a little harsh. Two games. I kind of agree with that. I thought one game would have been fine. Two games seemed to be be a little much, especially in a league where guys can two foot tackle people yep. and not even get one game. So, two, two you know, two games for a a, a love tap. Uh, as opposed to all these studs up uh, tackles that don't even get carded, like I, I understand what what Klinsman's coming from, and he touched on something that's a, a popular topic through the years at MLS, which is uh, the 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 ugly tackling, the challenges, uh, you know, elite attacking players, technical guys, technical people who can make players defenders look silly. Uh, they they tend to really get abused in MLS, and 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 MLS officials need to do a better job of protecting these kind of players. That's hap- that's this has been going on uh, since year one of the league. I mean, I, I can remember my, my early years as a writer. Tab Ramos, perfect example, a guy who was so good, such a technically gifted player. But guess what? His final years in MLS were ruined by injuries, and they were injuries that came about from ugly, ugly challenges because defenders just didn't know how to deal with them and they and they knew that the odds are that they, they could have an ugly challenge and might not even get a red card, might not get a card at all. And, and what's funny is people, for people who haven't followed the league as closely for, for years and years, the uh, the amount of that stuff is actually less than it used to be. Mm-hmm. It used to be a wild west. When you want to you go back to the 90s, 
the the defending was was just the, uh, the tackling and all atrocious, like really ugly stuff. So it's gotten better, but is it all the way there yet? No, you still see it. You still see a lot of you know ugly challenges, clumsy, just poor challenges, and that's something that the league has to work on. Uh, I thought maybe Den- I thought maybe Klinsman could have uh, I don't know. It, it came off like he was coddling Dempsey a bit. I thought he would have gone got gotten a lot further along if if he had included Brad Evans in his comment in his statement about wanting players def- uh, protected. Because look, Brad Evans got, got chopped down a completely yeah. ridiculous challenge that got him injured. Like that, if anything, that should have been what he was complaining. You know, he I would have complained about that. I mean, as much as he loves Brad Evans, like so, uh, you know, I, I could see why some people were were turned off by Klinsman's comments, especially twice in like four days. Mm. But you can kind of understand where he's coming from. Well, my thing is this. Is is the expectation level for Clint Dempsey higher since he's one of the marquee players and he should know better? I mean, is Major League Soccer setting an example? I mean, is he, is he just kind of like, hey, you're Clint Dempsey. Sorry, man. You know you shouldn't be doing stuff like that. If it was someone else, would there have been a, you know, a suspension? Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. It, 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 he didn't get extra games because he's Clint Dempsey. If anything, I think the league has shown that, that the star players do not get punished more. They get punished less. So... Uh, I, I think any other player probably would have also got two games. Um, but for me, I thought it should have just gotten one game. I mean, but, you know, I'm sure people will disagree. But, hey, you know what? Two games, one game for each ball makes sense. Uh, I just, okay, time to change gears completely, <laughs> move over to the uh, <laughs> Americans abroad. Uh, kind of an up and down weekend for certain guys. Uh, you, you know, it's we'll talk about it here in a second. Uh, Jeff Cameron, I've scored a goal for Stoke City in their uh, big win over Aston Villa, their four-one uh, win. Jeff Cameron, uh, you know, he scored the final goal uh, for Stoke. Uh, you know, it was a nice little tap in inside the box. But it was nice to see Cameron get a get a get a you know notch notch a goal in the game. Uh, it's nice to see him score, and it's nice to see Stoke City win another game, and and he's kind of been a big part of that. Uh, they've had a nice surge now, three wins in a row, and, and and they've climbed into the top half of the table there. Uh, you know, obviously they're not going to get relegated, but you'd just like to see them playing well and him playing well in that role, in that right-back role, which for me, I think at this point, he he is your right-back. He's going to be your starting right-back, and uh, I know some folks who, who look at that and say, ah, oh, you know, he's not really a right-back, he's, he's he doesn't give you enough, but get, listen, who... Who else is there? Look, Steve Shrundelo is not walking through that door. We've already established that. Uh, uh, you know, Tim Chandler's injured. Eric Lehigh's injured. Uh, Brad Evans is, you know, we've kind of seen him regress lately. So there's not a lot of great options there. So take be happy that Jeff Cameron's there and 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 really start just coming to grips with the fact that when it when you look at the competition that's waiting in Brazil in that group of death with those wingers, you could do a lot worse than Jeff Cameron from a defensive standpoint. Uh, Fabian Johnson had an assist. Ivis, it's nice to see him continue to have uh, impressive performances uh, in the Bundesliga. Yeah, he's doing well. He's doing well, and uh, I still think Cameron and Johnson, when it all is said and done, I think those are going to be your starting fullbacks. So Fabian uh, Johnson, not at, not at left mid, that left back then. We've had this discussion. That's your, that's your thing. You on him in left on the left wing. I uh, I think left back. I think uh, I, I'm I'm just not sold on Demarcus Beasley against top level top level international competition. Uh, as much as he's been playing regularly at Puebla and doing all right, I don't know, man. If you're asking me to choose between Fabian Johnson and Beasley left back, I'm going Fabian Johnson 
10 times out of 10. <laughs> and I, I, I tried to get you to walk into that one right there. Uh, I guess Breck Shea, uh, he, I should have stayed in England. Uh, Breck Shea dressed, but he didn't play for Stoke City. I'm positive that he was in the 18? I think it's positive. It's a step, you know, to make the 18. They, Lord knows that Stoke has a ton of guys who, who don't even dress that, that, that are, you know, on good money. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see if he's going to get playing time. I mean, that is a step closer to playing time. But uh, I don't know, man. I think his World Cup uh, hopes are fading if, if he doesn't get on the field pretty soon. Um, also, Josie Altidore started and played 90 minutes. Nice to see. Uh, nice to see him getting some playing time. Uh, Ivis, I mean, but Sunderland another loss for them. I mean, the, man, dude. I mean, what, 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 let's say for instance, Sunderland get moves down to the second division of the championship in England. I mean, what does Josie do? Does he stay? Does he move? That's a good question, my man. Because I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what. It, it's going to come down to how Poyet sees him. Uh, you know, being a part of the team, and they spend so much money on them. I, I, it's tough to, it's tough to see them just cut ties with them next year. Uh, but hey, listen, it's not over yet. They're only three points behind Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace is on free fall mode themselves. So, uh, you know, th- things are, are far from over. West Brom is right there as well, three points back. Swansea is 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 four points back. So the the the, the relegation race is far from over. I think Sunderland has enough talent that they can figure things out. They haven't won in four matches, but you know, uh, there's, I don't give up just yet. I think there's, there's enough time there to turn things around. Uh, heading back over to Germany. I'm jumping all over countries here. Uh, John Brooks started playing 90 minutes uh, for Hertha Berlin. They got, they got worked. I have a zero to three loss to Borussia Mönchengladbach. I believe that's how you say it. Uh, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty, pretty close, good. yeah. Good pronunciation by you there. It's getting better, I guess. It's that German background that you got there. Uh, I yeah, I guess so. All right. no, no comeback. Okay. I don't have a clever comeback to that one. Sorry. John Brooks, it, you got to be happy if you're John Brooks that you got to play finally. I mean, we're talking about a guy who'd, who'd been buried in the doghouse. So for him to get a start, that's a positive. But then for them to lose... Uh, and, and get you know beat up by Mönchengladbach. That's that's you, you can't be happy about that. Uh, but if you're Brooks, that that's a step towards maybe still challenging for mm-hmm. a roster spot for the World Cup. I know people will cringe at the thought of that because they still have the memories of the Ukraine friendly fresh in their minds and how just completely overmatched John Brooks looked in that game. But I would like to preface, I would like to point out that going into that game against the Ukraine, Brooks was not playing for his club team. He was not getting regular minutes. Not playing at all. So to go from not playing at all to all of a sudden starting in an international fixture against a pretty motivated Ukraine team, some pretty decent attackers, it, it was kind of a recipe for failure there. So, and who knows? Maybe he wouldn't have even started that match if Tim Ream hadn't had to pull out. So uh, let's not give up on John Brooks just yet, but he, he's got a lot of work to do. He's got to keep that starting job, and he's got to put together a run of good games. And then he'll, And I think he can still be in that picture. Uh, the center back, uh, the center back pool for the World Cup is wide open, right? I mean, I think after, other than Gonzalez and, and Beasler and Goodson, I mean that fourth center back spot is is up for grabs. I mean, there's no there's no one really making a hard claim for it. You can argue Michael Orozco; he's started all year. Uh, you know, he showed these he showed decently well in the Gold Cup. So he you could argue that right now Michael Orozco is that guy. Uh, but it's. I think it's wide open. I think it's anyone's game, anyone's uh, uh, anyone's uh, position. Sorry, uh, some bad news. I have this Jose Torres, who has been turning in some uh, impressive results uh, in the Mexican league over the last couple of weeks, did score a goal two weeks ago. He came off with an injury, 
uh, this past weekend, a guy I was that that we were talking about may possibly get called up to that USA Mexico game. I mean, hopefully this isn't something that's too serious because it would have been nice to see uh, would have been nice to see his you know him throw his name back into that conversation for the midfield uh, for a spot to Brazil. That's absolutely unbelievably bad timing. Uh, we don't know yet. At this point, we don't know what the injury is or how serious it is. But if he is forced to miss that game, that's such bad luck for a player who's really come on in the last uh, three to f- uh, four weeks. Uh, uh, to to earn himself a regular role at Tigres, and and you know he's even scored a few goals, uh, so that that when you it bears watching. I mean, I hope I hope he's healthy enough to play, because uh, that's a perfect kind of match for him uh, against you know an all Mexican team. Well, against Mexico, Liga MX team players he's 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 familiar with. It would have been a great opportunity for him to shine, and especially when you think about the fact that some of the that the club Tijuana players like Joe Corona and Greg Garza. Uh, probably aren't going to play in that friendly now because of the uh the the CONCACAF Champions League the schedule conflicting uh the semifinal round for Tijuana is, is conflicting with the the date of the USA Mexico game so uh if you're not going to have Corona and now you're not going to have Torres I mean if anything that's going to give some probably give some opportunities for some MLS players MLS midfielders who are really on their game right now so uh, that's kind of the silver lining, but it is disappointing when you think about it because Corona has been so great uh, in, in these couple of games in, in, in that in that Galaxy series that, that made you think, oh wow, we want to see him in a friendly for the U.S. And now Torres again, Torres is who's really kind of been in the wilderness uh, for months now and, and earned his way back in. So it's unfortunate. Hopefully he's fine because you want to see him and you want to see Jose Torres in Arizona. I, hey, I want to see him in Arizona too. It's uh, it just dude, it just seems like a lot of these guys. I've it's just unfortunate timing with the injury just weeks before. It it's like a curse, man. There's a curse going around, something like that. It just happens. I mean, there's a lot of players, you know, and sometimes you got players who who are like worried about getting injured, and that gets them injured. Because I've talked to players about about that as well. Uh, you know, you kind of just have to put it out in your mind and just go all out and and not because it's when you when it's when you when you work think about getting injured is when you're going to get injured um but again yeah it is bad luck at least you know hopefully it's not anything crazy anything too serious uh and and maybe Torres can still work his way into the january uh the may camp well ivis in europe on sunday the classico lived up to the hype cream benzema scored two goals in the opening 25 minutes and you can already hear hear real madrid fans screaming for a hat trick then Messi comes in and reminds us all why he's Messi. Barcelona defeats Real Madrid four to three. It was a uh, it was a thrilling game on Sunday. Uh, it lived up to the billing. You know, Clasico games are almost always exciting and, and intense. And this time around, seven goals, some quality goals, some quality soccer. Just the passes, the touch, uh, the officiate, the referee. You know, you could definitely you know question some of the calls. I know Real Madrid fans will definitely question the call, especially the 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 penalty and red card Neymar uh, drew on Sergio Ramos. I think there were there were some serious questions about that. One of the replays I saw, it looked like Ramos clipped his leg. Uh, the early replays, it looked like he barely glanced, he barely put a hand on his back, and and Neymar went tumbling. But I did see a replay. It looked like he clipped his leg in the same sequence. So maybe, people, you know, if you look at that and you maybe see that, then you can kind of say, okay, maybe it wasn't a dive. But still, great stuff. Messi steps it up again. And not to get on Ronaldo, because Ronaldo had an amazing year. Ballon, he, he deserved the Ballon d'Or. He won it. But, you know, this game, he just he didn't step up the way he needed to step up. He, he did get a penalty kick goal. But just overall, the quality wasn't there that you expect from him. 
meanwhile, Messi definitely delivered. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's. It, I feel like you know, Messi's just like, hey, let me remind you guys how good I am. Hold on, let me let me just casually score this hat trick like it's no big deal. I mean, it's also the other thing that you pointed out before we started recording the show. Uh, Iniesta, Ivis. I mean, what do you have? I think a hundred completed passes, only like three missed passes in this game. It was actually well, it was Xavi actually who was. Uh, oh, I I'm think sorry. It was, it was 102 for 106, which is just ridiculous stats. I mean, but yeah, him and Iniesta. I mean, Iniesta just—he's a magician with the ball. Uh, you'd give—I think most players that watch him play, especially in MLS, when they watch him play, they just think I'd give anything to have his touch because his touch on the ball is just ridiculous. So, uh, great stuff, great game. And again, remember, as great as they are, as great as Madrid and Barca are, it's a three-horse race in Spain. Mm-hmm. Atletico, Atletico Madrid is legit. If you're not up on Atletico Madrid yet, you need to be up on them. Quality team, uh, very intense group. They really pressure you. Uh, they just have that perfect combination of, of intense pressure and good attacking soccer. Diego Simeone's just working some serious magic with them. And I'll tell you what, Barcelona, for all their star power, as good as they are, as much as they'll be favored, do not, do not write off Atletico Madrid in their Champions League quarterfinal series. Atletico absolutely could beat Madrid. I mean, Barcelona in that series. Well, to give you the updated table in Spain, Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, Ivis, are tied on points at 70. Barcelona is at 69. So you're right. It's going to be a three-team race. It's going to come down to the very end. Each team has 22 wins. Uh, I mean, But then again, I mean, you always see these two teams competing in Spain. Uh, moving over to England, Ivis, Chelsea smoked Arsenal, Arsenal's used to getting smoked. You know, they lost last year to Manchester United 8-2. to I kid, but... Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. So you're going to get trolled today. Yeah, I know I'm going to. Yeah, well, you know, you know whatever. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 is it safe to say that Chelsea, I mean, is the Premier League title theirs to lose now? It's early to say that. I mean, remember, Man City has a bunch of games in hand, so you have to factor that in. But I'm liking my pick. I'm liking my Chelsea pick. More and more each week. Uh, you know, Mourinho's done a great job there, and they just took it to Arsenal. Arsenal had no answers, and obviously the red card blows it open. But they, they, they were Chelsea just dominated them. It was just, it was just a masterful performance by that team. And Mourinho really hasn't played well, and I can't wait to see them in the Champions League. They, they, they got a tough test. Uh, PSG, a team that I had going in to the into the quarterfinals as a team that I think could surprise people and maybe make a run. Uh, but Mourinho, you know, he's pressing all the right buttons right now, and and you have to say they're the favorites, but don't forget City has those games in hand. Uh, City has two games in hand. They're at 63 points. Arsenal's a fourth with 62. Chelsea's first with uh, 69 points. Liverpool, Ivis, Brendan Rodgers doing an excellent job there. They're second with 65 points. Think think they can overtake Chelsea? Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's tough to say. Liverpool, when they're on, they're like the, the most unstoppable attacking force this year. But mm, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they'll catch Chelsea. Uh, it's. I yeah, I love that. First off, I love the fact that the Premier League is is as tight this late in the season. Uh, I just one more seg. One more thing to talk about. One more segment before we close out the show completely. USL Pro kicked off this past weekend. Uh, four teams in action. LA Galaxy two defeated Orange County Blues FC three to one. And Orlando City SC played Charleston Battery to a 1-1 draw. So USL Pro kicked off this past weekend. Uh, the rest of the teams will be picking up here over the next couple of weeks. The NASL, second division, they get their league underway uh, April 12th. But uh, USL Pro, I mean, LA Galaxy too. I mean, hey, they, LA Galaxy has to be happy kicking off their, uh, their that new franchise with a, with a big victory. I got to say, I love the smooth transition 
from talking English Premier League title race to USL Pro. And a pretty that, that good, was huh? ma- That was masterful. I, I mean, I know. I thought that was pretty clap. good. You get a golf clap. Okay. Thank no, you. But listen, folks, and I'll, I'll say this because uh, someone that I was talking to very, very, very recently who was all, all sorts of down on USL Pro and, and didn't think it's that that big a deal. Look, obviously it's, it's not top division, but I think most American soccer fans, MLS fans, are going to have more reason to pay attention mm-hmm. because you have all these players now going on loan. Uh, to USL Pro. So you're talking about a lot of good young prospects. A perfect example, Omar Salgado loaned, uh, you know, Vancouver loaned him out to Charleston, so he's there now. Orlando City has all ha- has the handful of players who, who have aspirations to join the MLS expansion team. And then obviously LA too, uh, with, with their young uh, LA Galaxy prospects that they're going to have on that team. So from that standpoint, USL Pro is going to bear more and more watching. It's going to be it's it's going to be more interesting, and the quality of play I think is going to improve as you have this infusion of talent coming in from MLS, and uh, we'll definitely be covering it more closely on SBI, and and we'll talk about it a little more on SBI show, so you can definitely keep an eye out for that. Yeah, Omar Sadago did not play in the game for Charleston Battery, but uh, I mean, it, this, I mean, this has to be a good move for him, Ivis. I mean, he he needs to get playing time ASAP. I mean, what what what's what's going on with him? Uh, it's just hey, ask Vancouver. They, you know, they, he, he, he. The word I get out of Vancouver is that you know maybe they don't feel he's ready to be a, a ninety-minute player. They obviously went out and added so many attacking pieces there. When you want to talk about Sebastian Fernandez and Pedro Morales, adding them to an already crowded group. Uh, so it, the minutes, it was just going to be tough for him to get minutes there. So at least credit to Vancouver. I think they should have did it a year ago. Although I don't know, not remembering now about his his health status, but. I think they should have loaned him last year. And and MLS, from what I understand, MLS made the rule, the intra-league rule was set up. The idea behind it was because of Omar Salgado, because you have this num- former number one overall pick who can't get any minutes. You need to be able to do something about it. Other teams in the league want him to play uh, or, or were interested in bringing him in, and, but no, and nothing ever worked out. So it's good to see him. You know, you'd prefer to see him in MLS, but failing that, at least he's going to get to go to Charleston and and get some games and and, and help his development. He's still a young player, and that's the crazy thing. People, it's you you feel like he's been around forever, but again, he signed as a teenager. He's he's still got a ways to go. I think there's still talent there. I've heard great things about how he's looked in the spring. So we'll see. We'll see what kind of impact he has in Charleston. Uh, Omar Salgado, Ivis, was born in 1993, so that makes him uh, 21 years old. So you're right. He still he finally can buy a beer legally. I think he signed when he was 18, right? Did he turn 21 yet? Uh, September 10th was his birthday, so I think he'll be turning... So he's 20. Yes, yeah, he's 20, so he turns 21 in September. Yeah, I mean, you know me with math. I'm horrible with math. You know that. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Ivis. Well, uh, that wraps up the show. Before we close out completely, anything else that we need to talk about before we do our uh, you know traditional 10-minute uh, sign-off? <laughs> uh, I think that's it, man. The, the the clock is ticking, and I think what are we a week away from the uh, from from Arizona from uh, USA Mexico the run up. Oh yes, that's true. A week away from you covering a Divas FC match at the uh, Benedict <laughs> Park in Tempe, Arizona. Also, everyone, don't forget, Ivis and I will be throwing the SBI party on Tuesday, April first, in downtown Phoenix at Crescent Ballroom. Uh, we hope to see everyone there. If you want to tell us how great the show is cool, if you want to tell me that I suck, I mean, that that's also great, too. So uh, we hope to see you at the SBI party, April 1st, Ivis. I'm excited for you to come out, man. Show you, show you Phoenix. We're going to have a good time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've been to Phoenix twice, uh, both times for U.S. games. They're they're undefeated. I think they're undefeated. I know they beat Mexico in 07 when I went, mm-hmm. and then 
Uh, they played Venezuela. I don't remember what the. I think they won that they game. They won 1 0. I, I believe. I can't remember who scored the game. It was like the goal in the 97th minute or something like that in that game. Man, it's a blur. It really is a blur. Uh, no, but look, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great game. It could be Julian Green's debut. I feel like I think ESPN FC is already promoting it as it's definitely going to be his debut. So maybe they know something we don't. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a great time. And I think it's going to be. Ho- hopefully, there's a, there's a lot of SBI show listeners that are planning to make the trip. If you are planning to make the trip, let us know in the comment section. Uh, if you're planning to attend the party, uh, you know, we, we're going to see about some giveaways. I think I'm going to have to pack a bag with some of the good, because I got to tell you, I have a collection of stuff in here at, at, at uh, SBI headquarters. You know, we got all kinds of scarves and, and jerseys and whatnot. So, I'm, uh, you know, I might have to bring some of that stuff in, bring mm-hmm. some swag, get, get, get some... Uh, SBI shirts made up. We'll see what we do. We're, we're gonna we're gonna try to do it right over there. I'm excited, dude. We dude, we're gonna eat Mexican food nonstop for three days. Uh, I hope you're ready. Nah, I don't know about all that. I get one or two days tops. I don't know one or two days? No, dude. We're going. I already got it all planned out on Tuesday. We're gonna go get breakfast. We're gonna go. I already know we're getting breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You better you better get ready on Tuesday. Jeez. Oh man, I can't I can't wait. Yeah, you're, it's if anyone needs recommendations on Mexican food, I'll uh, I'll, I'll let you know. We, Actually, we, no. We do it right have, in Arizona. If you have recommendations for food in Phoenix, let me know. Let me know on Twitter because uh, I want to have a few alternative options in case Garrett's, uh, you know, fails in his mission. To, to how come. how am I going to fail my mission? I, I'm I'm born and raised in Arizona. I live in downtown Phoenix. Like I am like in the, the scene down here. <laughs> I feel I can picture you now just throwing up like Phoenix gang signs and like showing off your. Your Phoenix tat, like what? What's the area code? That, what's the area code in Phoenix? Well, I, well, I mean, dude, come on! I grew up in a cul-de-sac in North Scottsdale, so I really can't throw off like <laughs> any gang signs or anything like that. All right, I'm sorry. I was trying to give you some street cred. First off, have you? There is like no hardcore area of Phoenix. Everyone's like way too nice out here. Way come too on. nice. Come on, we hear. Listen, you can't lie to our listeners. They hear the police sirens in the background of our show. They know it's rough over there. Dude, that was one show, and that was a fire truck going to save someone who probably had a heart attack or something like that. Because there's way too many senior citizens out here. See, now you want to bash old. First, you want to bash Arsenal fans. <laughs> bash senior citizens. Wow, you're just crushing our entire audience. <laughs> what, so our audience is Arsenal and old people. I I thought that our demographic. I thought I thought we were huge in the 18 to 30 year old demographic. Actually, eighteen to thirty-five, we we have a good chunk of our readership. Our listeners are actually that that range. And and you know, and we do appreciate everyone listening to the show. I mean, the show is is even uh, even a, you old people and even you. Yeah. Are I mean, the, for Ivis and I, I mean, this show's a labor of love. I mean, I think everyone knows that we record the show crazy late hours and we work really hard on this. I mean, and seriously, I mean, everyone that listens to the show and comments and all that stuff, Ivis and I. Uh, I mean, I greatly appreciate of that. And like, and as I've said, I mean, please let us know if you're coming to Phoenix. We would love to meet with you. We'd love to drink a Cosmopolitan with you or a Sex on the Beach. Okay. Um, Listen, so, folks, so, so let let us are know. Not aware, uh, my drink of choice is Jack and Coke. Do not let Garrett fool you. That I, I think most of America knows Jack and Coke is my drink. I know, please, so stop lying to the public. Please, like people are gonna actually believe me on this show. Um, except, so, except I did get some calls for that Leo Fernandez uh, comment that I made on the last yes, show. So you thank did. you, yes, thank you, you for that. Yeah, I know, I know. Ivis, all right, man. Uh, that wraps up today's show. You have a good night, and uh, I will talk to you later this week. Yes, sir. And one, but one last comment. Yes, if you haven't made, if you haven't given us a review, uh, a review on iTunes, please do so. We, we need some new ones. We need some fresh ones. I'm not telling you to give us a five. If you feel like we deserve five stars, definitely give us a five. But just give us a review. Let us know what you think. Uh, it'll definitely help us 
as we can move forward and look to improve the show. So uh, if you get a chance, definitely do that. Yes, and for everyone else that's done that, thank you guys, and thank you for the comments and everything else. So, Ivis, I'll let you get some sleep, and I'll talk to you later this week. All right, bud? Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the comments, as Ivis said, and, and thank you for everything else you do for us. Ivis and I will be back again later this week. This is the SBS Show.